Welcome back to the For Where You Are podcast brought to you by Chapel Street Church. My name is Joe Scavato, and today we are looking at the Gospel of Mark, the stories of Jesus on the Sabbath, and how it can impact the everyday life of the everyday Jesus follower. Today, I'm joined by Jeff Frazier. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Joe. And making his return... Sterling Moore. Hi, Sterling. Good to be with you, Joe. How are you guys? Ready to chat? Yes, we're ready Always. to chat. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we have a lot to get to today. Yep. Um, really good uh, message and text that we were examining. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to that, we need to do a quick programming update. Ooh, ooh. So next uh, week's episode is episode 25. Whoa. They never thought that we'd get there. Yeah, quarter century. I don't know who they is. but um, So next week, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're still going to be talking about uh, the message, but then we're also going to be taking some questions um, and doing a little bit of Q&A with Stetson, our online pastor. Um, and so That's you're going to awesome. be seeing you find listeners, hopefully, either on the online sermon, on social media, or via this podcast. Um, we'll be asking if you have any questions about Mark. Um, and if you do, we'd love to be able to try to answer them as best we can. Yeah. Um, and so you can submit those via social media, or you can email us at podcast at chapelstreetchurch.com. Jeff, you've gotten a lot of questions. Anything yes. you want to uh, maybe tease or, or pump the prime, prime yeah. the pump? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's take I, over I, for me. <laughs> actually, I'm excited about that. I think it's good. It's good for us to be asking questions, uh, engage with the text, and so or just questions about the, about the Christian life or theology in general, but specifically about the Gospel of Mark. Mm-hmm. And one question I've received, but uh, from a couple of people, is in this series, why don't we preach? Uh, every verse and every passage. If you've been tracking along, you notice that we're we're moving sequentially through the Gospel of Mark, but we're not covering every single uh, story and every single verse. The reason for that is that uh, one is that we are going to do Mark in two sections. But the overarching goal uh, for us is that we want to preach the main movements and message and and purpose of, of Mark's Gospel, what he's saying about Jesus, rather than an in depth uh, exposition of every verse. There's a d- different approach, and so we've made hopefully thoughtful, wise, prayerful decisions about which stories to cover. There's more miracles in Mark than any other uh, gospel, so we're not covering every single one of them. Some of those we've preached on in other series, but that's the reason, uh, because we're trying to give a kind of a broad sweep of the uh, gospel of Mark, not an in-depth exposition of each verse. Um, but we're going to be in Mark for a long time, yeah. for uh, 12 weeks up until Christmas, uh, the Advent series, and then again in the new year up until Easter. So you'll, you'll have plenty, we'll cover plenty of great stuff in Mark. <laughs> Awesome. We're looking forward to it. So make sure you get your questions in, Sterling. Yes. If you have any questions, send that them in. That was actually my question. <laughs> <laughs> I submitted that one. Yes, right. Yeah. Get your burner email and send us your meetings. Yes, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, cool. We're looking forward to that. And now let's get into this week's episode. Let's do it. Um, you guys are both preaching. Jeff, why don't you give us our elevator pitch recap of right. this week's message? These get harder when you cover a lot of ground. And so in this week, we covered... Um, uh, we really focused on two stories in Mark, the end of Mark chapter 2 and the beginning of Mark chapter 3, both of them dealing with the Sabbath controversy where Jesus is uh, questioned. But, the, but really these two stories fall into the context of a series of stories beginning last week with the parable of the paralytic where Jesus is questioned, why, why do you forgive sins? Only God can do that. Why do you, don't you fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees fast? Why uh, don't you keep the Sabbath? And, uh, and so on. And so the Jesus is... is I think it's tempting to think that Jesus is falling into this discussion, this debate that he can't get out of. That's not the case. He intentionally chooses these moments to, for these confrontations to reveal who he is. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we see in these two stories is Jesus is choosing, he's picking and choosing his spots to demonstrate his authority and his power of the, of the, of the gospel and of his, his 
identity as king. Uh, the two stories kind of go together because what's what's at issue is not Sabbath law really. It's about how does a person get made right with God. The re- it's religion versus the gospel. So really, these two stories are unpacking human religion, which is I obey, therefore I'm accepted, and the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is I'm accepted freely by grace in Him, therefore I live a life of obedience and joy. And so there's so much more to say, but that's really what's happening in these two stories. And the primary characters are the Pharisees who just don't get it, and they're supposed to be the religious leaders, and the man with the withered hand or the crowds uh, who are growing in their awareness of who Jesus is and what he came to do. Yeah. Sterling, anything to add? I was just thinking that in... Jeff, you alluded to this the other day in our preaching team meeting, but like you kind of feel this. There's a build here yeah, as you go right. through chapter two. There's like yeah. this this uh, refrain of questions that keep emerging, where it's, it's the heat's getting turned up. Yeah, the and, keeps and this yeah. sort of almost feels like a boiling point as we'll get to at that last verse. In yeah, chapter, that's right. Yeah, like it, it sort of hits a, a culmination of of people who are um, they're they're not ready for no. a paradigm shift. They, they like the previous kingdom or or comfortable in that yeah yeah Yeah, in fact it's it's validated they're they're the ones who are spiritually accepted in that system right there's a there's a passage which we didn't cover in depth i referred to it briefly in the sermon where jesus is questioned about fasting and he tells this weird parable he says do you fast when the bridegroom is with you at a wedding and you're first reading, like, what is he talking about? And I use the example, like, you, you wouldn't go to a wedding, and if the father of the bride stood up at the reception and said, well, there'll be no banquet, there'll be no uh, drinks, there'll be no music or dancing, we're going to fast and sit in silence because weddings are a solemn occasion, you'd think, this is the weirdest. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Weddings are joyous occasions. And Jesus' point is, he comes to bring joy. And then he says, you can't put new wine into old wineskins or it bursts. And I think his point there is, you can't fit Jesus and his kingdom into your old categories. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Man, there's so much to talk about. Um, we won't get to everything, but but I wanted to start. Jeff, you you began your message uh, talking about this idea of um, questioning Jesus yeah. and and how um, questioning with an open heart is something that that God absolutely loves when we mm-hmm. ask Him our questions right. and, and bring those things to. You him. mean like submitting questions to the Ferrari Bar podcast? It, it's <laughs> very shockingly similar. similar. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you're um, right. Yeah. But but then we see how in these stories the Pharisees were we're asking questions and we're, mm-hmm. um, we're looking to Jesus, but for a different motive yeah. of trying to kind of be proven right rather than to be open to what God, yeah. um, is going to do and, and is doing. Um, and, and so I guess that got me thinking about how, how do we fall into that same mm-hmm. trap sometimes, or what are the temptations of, of looking to God or looking to his word or, or hearing a message, trying to be proven right rather than, um, being yeah. open to what he has to say. Or even further, to prove someone else wrong. Yeah. Right. I think what we see, like, and I've been asked questions by people, and I've asked questions which are genuinely wanting to know. I'm, I'm confused about something. I want more information. I want to understand. I have a desire to know and to grow. That's a good thing. It's a great thing. But very often, in my own heart, in my life experience, and certainly in the Gospels, we see people asking questions, and it's a way of op- opposing. It's a way of resisting Jesus. It's a way of setting him up or trying to keep it. So it's, it's the but what about scenario. Yeah, but what about, but what about, but what about? They're questions, but I don't really want to know. Mm-hmm. I already think I know. And so it's a way of denying. Uh, and, I, and I, you know, I, I think it's a, good, it's a good question, Joe, you asked for us to look at our own hearts. Yeah, I think that one of the things that 
sometimes similarly, like, like I can see in my own heart is that I'll use a question as a, as a means to kind of find a way out. Yeah. Mm. Like, so maybe if this text or this passage is saying something that's really convicting or really challenging, and then a question becomes kind of the means by which I say, well, do I really need to, yeah. do I really need to deal with this? Do I really, is this, uh, some ancient text that is, or is Jesus really saying what it looks like he's saying right. here? The question becomes right. kind of like a, is there a door for me to right. to avoid really having to deal yeah. with the conviction? And One you know. of the famous examples of this is in Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Mm. The, 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 the religious man asks the question, in the context in which Jesus tells that story, oh. is when the religious leader says, but who is my neighbor? Yeah. Yeah. And the text says, wanting to justify himself. It tells us right there, he doesn't really, he thinks, like, this can't be what, no, I, I know, well, I got to justify yeah. myself, What's I got to find a loophole here. Yeah. 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 How do we know our our own motivations? Because I, I think a lot of times for me, I, I maybe do this without even recognizing it in the moment. Mm-hmm. How, how are we, how can we grow in that way of, of trying to say, you know what, like, even if this challenges my thinking, I'm going to be yeah. open to it? It's a good question. Um, speaking of questions, I, I'm not sure I have a perfect answer to that. I think one for me, just per- speaking personally, is I need to slow down with my response. If I ask a question and someone gives an answer, uh, my temptation often is to is to is to rush right in and, and respond to their answer, or to you know explain why it's not right, or add to it, or subtract. Maybe one of the best ways is to slow down and think about that before I speak again, and examine: Am I listening? Am I really hearing this? Uh, sometimes I'm just waiting for another opportunity to speak. Yeah, I think too. To me, that's one of the if if I'm at least aware of, enough of the fact that I might be using this as a means to, to find a way out yeah. or to is if if I can really slow down enough to ask the Holy Spirit to to help me see my own heart and to to just um, yeah. be still in that a little bit and and kind of uh, open myself up intentionally, try to lay down my my sort of assumptions and my preconceived notions or or my mm-hmm. reaction, my pushback. Yeah. If I can if I can intentionally try to say, okay, I don't I don't want to bring my will to the text if I can let this mm-hmm. speak. So no, sometimes I can recognize like a a trigger in my heart that's like almost like a defensiveness. Mm. Yeah. Like and that's usually an indication that there's something there for me that that I need to sit with for a while. And so if I if if I'm good. observant enough to see that, then I then I recognize that's a, that's when I need to stay there and say, okay, Holy Spirit, like, don't let me be dismissive of mm-hmm. the work that this that's passage is, is pressing yeah. on me. Let me yeah. let me. And it doesn't even necessarily mean that that my question was wrong or my questioning is off or, or anything no. like that. It just means I can't rush it. I got to. I like what you said about the text. It's good to ask questions of the text, but it's better to let the text ask questions of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's, you know, it's just, you have to sit with that. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Um, kind of at the, at the heart of these stories um, is this idea of, and Jeff, you even mentioned it earlier, this, this idea of how you view faith. Is it a, yeah a religion or, mm-hmm. or is it gospel and, right. and the differences of that. Um, and I know Sterling, something that you mentioned as well that you were kind of wrestling through is, is, um, there are a couple of mistakes I guess you could make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could view God's law. You could view God, God's commands the way that he has, you know, called on us to live as 
restrictive, as oppressive, as something mm-hmm. that takes away from life. Right. Or we could view God's grace as an excuse to just kind of ignore all of that and, and live however we want. Right, right, um, right. And so I want to kind of unpack both of those lines of thinking, but maybe we'll start there of, you know, what, what's the lie? What's wrong with both of those types of thinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good, Joe. I, I think some of what I was um, processing is... Yeah, it, and I, I brought this up again in our, our, our preaching team meeting, but like I almost had this fear that people could inadvertently or intentionally, I guess, take the words of Jesus when he is sort of reorienting their thinking around the Sabbath and and say it's it's obedience is is personal or it's not yeah. important or right. And and I, I don't believe that I, I I believe actually that obedience is is a is a response of love. But I think the one of the key points of the passage is what is the objective of obedience? Because if yeah. obedience or sort of performance, if we were to use another kind of expression, which I think is very relevant in this passage, if that's the means to get to God, if that's the means by which you believe you're making yourself acceptable to God, right. then it's that's right. That's, it's that's, self-righteousness, that's, right? That's the I mean, key yeah. question. Right. right. Yeah. Is what's the purpose of it? You know, it, in, in Romans 5, Paul says the famously, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Like, you can't out-sin God's grace. Right. It's always grace, which is amazing. Yeah. Right. But then, like, it, the question kind of hangs there. Well, does that mean I can do whatever I want because I'm always forgiven? And Paul asks the question in yeah. chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say? Shall we go on saying that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin if we live it any longer. So as Sterling pointed out, it's not that the gospel takes away the need to obey. It just changes the order. Grace comes first. Hmm. Then obedience follows, which leads to joy. Yeah. If obedience is first, trying to lead to acceptance, it's a burden. You can never... That's the problem with the Pharisees. Yeah. They just surrounded the law with this impossible code that nobody could live up to that was crushing people and not setting them free. And I think it's the it's it's why we see such different reactions to Jesus. Yeah, Because right. people who everyone knew weren't acceptable whether it was because of some sort of physical deformity like the paralytic or the man with the withered hand in -hmm. in these texts or their social status or their Mm -hmm. sin status, whatever it was, Jesus is proclaiming this message that actually I have made you acceptable by my grace and by what I'm going to do, this kingdom I'm ushering in. And then people who thought that they were um, the the, the moral... Superior ones right, yeah. are being confronted with sin, and th- so their reaction to Jesus is, "This is this is an affront to us." Like, yeah, I mean, exactly. There's that place at the end of the calling of Levi when Jesus sits down at Levi's house with all the tax collectors and sinners, all the wrong people, right? right. And the Pharisees criticize him. What, what, is, what is your? They ask his disciples, "What's he doing?" Another question they're asking. What's he doing eating with the sinners? And Jesus' response is so amazing. He says, "It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick." I've not come to call righteous, but the sinners. His point is, there are no healthy people. Right. There are no righteous people. There's just those who know they're sick and those who think they're fine. Right. And that's, to Sterling's point, that's what we see in these stories, is yeah. those who know they're sick and those who think they're fine as they are. And the only way to healing is to recognize, I, I'm, I'm sick. Yeah. And anyway. One of the things I, I think, um, I think one of the reasons the story is so important is that this type of thinking about faith where it's, you know, God will love me if I do the right things, if I am a good enough person. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's still everywhere today. Sure. Um, yes. And so it, I guess for you guys as, as pastors, as people who, you know, interact with this type of thinking, 
where where does that lead people incorrectly? Like what mm. what path does that take them on that that is not the best path for them? Well, I, it's impossible. I mean, you, even if you make up your own religion, even if it's just your own sort of your own internal moral compass, and you kind of cobble together a few philosophical ideas from different world religions, and you're kind of DIYing your own spirituality, nobody can live up to even their own standards. Yeah. So I, we all have this sense deep in our soul that we are not as we ought to be. Mm. How do we deal with it? And, and so to answer your question is, any kind of law keeping or following the rules or, you know, do these things, join this group, pray these prayers, vote this way, you know, say the right things, whatever you, whether, however you package it, nobody can measure up. And we know that deep down inside and that only Jesus sets us free from that. Mm. I, uh, one of the things that I think is interesting as we work our way through the Gospel of Mark is noticing the the Pharisaical yep. response and recognizing, yes, this was a specific group of people that was in that time, but it's also reflective mm-hmm. of a of a heart condition that yep. feels like yep. there's there's sort of like these moments when you're reading the gospel that it, it's very easy to look at the Pharisees and be like, how did you miss it? Mm-hmm. And then and then when you let yeah. that text sit with you for a while, you're kind of like, oh, oh why does Pharisee that feel? That. Yeah, that, yeah, why does that feel familiar? Why is that? Yeah. yeah. So I think that where it leads is is represented. It's it's seen to us kind of in the response of yep. the Pharisees. And so again, one of the questions that the text asks of us is where is that true of me? Where is that true in my heart? Where is, where does the gospel sort of offend my sense of self-righteousness and my, that's good. Um, my, you know, that tendency I have to kind of like look at the guy next to me and be that's like, it. that's uh, I don't know if I, you know, that guy didn't quite measure up to, yeah, I like, think that's the answer. One of the answers to your yeah. questions that Serling just said is it, a legalism or a moral, moral, uh, religion, a human religion of any kind produces an us-them mentality. Mm. Mm. I think one of the ways we know we're slipping into that is when we start looking and saying, those people are the problem. They're the bad ones. It's us and them. We do this politically. We do this socially. We do this morally. It happened in the first century. It's happening in the 21st century. It happens in my own heart. That's probably one of the best indicators. If I'm starting to look out at the world and say, they're the issue. Those are the bad ones. That's not a good sign. Yeah, Because the truth is, we're all all messed up. We're all broken. Only Jesus puts us right. That's again, I think one of the things that's just so compelling about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was, yes, it was the marginalized and the oppressed and they're they're dr- coming to Jesus in droves because f- somebody is is saying like Yeah. Yeah. But it was also Nicodemus. It was it, you know, there were others yeah. who were hearing the message of Jesus and saying I'm att- I'm attracted to that. I want to know more about that mm-hmm. and 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 I th- I just think that's one of the things um, to Jeff's mm-hmm. point, this kind of this us and them is J- Jesus just sort of overcame all of that. He superseded all of that, and and we see it playing out in in these gospels. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been I've been struck by that thinking about as you guys have just been talking, um, just kind of looking at at our at our culture and how it feels like everyone is trying to claim the moral high ground. Yeah, yeah. And it's right. Like my group, my ideology. That's the one that has it all figured out, right? Because if I can, if I can do that, then I can feel good about myself, right? If I can say you're the the issue, then I can somehow make myself, yeah. Because I'm, I'm really, what I'm doing is I'm really trying to deal with my own sense of inadequacy, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been thinking like, what's the end game of that type of thinking? <laughs> like, where, where where will that 
lead long term. And, and my my hope is that it brings us to a different kind of thinking where it's recognizing. Yeah, I have no right to claim that. I, only only God can. We'll see. Well, apart from apart from Jesus breaking in, the gospel breaking in, it, it leads to marginalization and isolation yeah. and brokenness yeah. and oppression. Yeah. Um, but you're right; it can lead to an awareness of. Uh, repentance and faith. Yeah. yeah, you either get to the point where you sort of double down in it, and like I okay, I, and 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 then within your own faction, your own ideology, your that divides because it just it replicates itself, and then you become enemies with the people that used to be in your camp, hmm. or it breaks you, or you said this isn't working. This mm-hmm. there has to be another way. There's got to be another. Yeah, and and then yeah. then you look for alternative options, and Jesus is speaks into that. I said this in the sermon, but you know, in this, in the first few verses of chapter three in Mark, you have the man with the withered hand in the synagogue, and if you're trying to place yourself in the story, there's really only two options. Mm-hmm. You're not Jesus, in case anybody listening is confused. You know, we're not shoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's only one king, and it's not you. Um, I remember that, that quote from the movie Rudy, great theological movie, when Rudy's questioning, <laughs> have, I, have, I, "Have I done enough? Is God going to get me into Notre Dame or whatever?" And the old priest says, "Son, in over 30 years of religious study, I've learned only two incontrovertible truths." One, there is a God, and two, I am not Him. Mm. <laughs> anyway, back to the point. So you have, you're either the man with a withered hand who's desperate for someone to heal him, or you're the Pharisees with, who have withered hearts yeah. and hardened hearts. And that's why Jesus is angry and grieved because He wants to heal both, mm-hmm. but one one is recognizes His need and the others don't. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let's keep moving before yes. I get too sad. No, it's, it's a great news. Um, I want to talk about um, Jesus' declaration that he's Lord of the Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you guys, you know, it's it's a key part of the message um, in how we're not just talking about Sabbath. Um, yeah. and, and so I guess my question, two-part question, what does that declaration show us about his identity? Mm. And then wh- how does that change how we should view ourselves and how we live our lives. Yeah. Yeah. No, I th- you're right. I do think that's kind of the key. The thrust of the text in many ways is right there. And then Jesus self-identification, which again, Mark is, he keeps going back to this central question of who is Jesus. He right. keeps, and mm-hmm. you're watching the yep. people sort of unpack this in real time as Jesus heals the paralytic and then says he can forgive him. And, and now again, when he is, is claiming authority over the Sabbath. So that, 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 phrase there, the Lord of the Sabbath, is really Jesus identifying that two things, I think. One is I'm the I'm I created it. It's it's a gift that I have given you. And so as the creator of it, I understand it. And I have like he's he's I think revealing to the people why he has the qualifications to speak into the experience of the practice of what Sabbath is intended for. But I think beyond that, really what he's ultimately landing on is he is the Sabbath. Hmm. He is the provision of the rest that Sabbath is intended to give. And so in some ways he's saying the the fullness of Sabbath is here in me in the person of Jesus. Ultimate shalom, ultimate peace is standing with you in this moment, which again, I think is why it grieves him so, so much, why he's angry when the Pharisees mm-hmm. just miss it because it's yeah. it's right there in front of you. I'm giving you the thing that you're working so hard to achieve yeah. on your own and you're missing it. Yeah. It's yeah. 
Jesus says right before that that uh, the Sabbath is not made for man. Uh, the Sabbath was made for man, excuse me, but not man for the Sabbath, meaning the Sabbath is, a, is intended to be a gift to God's people. The Pharisees had made it a, a, a burden. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's all that, you know, so if, if something's made for you, if I give you a gift, Joe, and I have got this great gift for you and you open it up and it's like all these instructions to this impossible task that you like, I didn't ask for this. I don't want to do this, but that's not much of a gift, yeah. but you know, you're obligated to like try to live up to it. That's what had happened to the Sabbath It's meant to be a, a place, a time of blessing, enjoying God's favor, rest, restoration and joy. And it become this crushing burden. Mm. And Jesus says, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I mean, he's Lord. He is in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Jesus doesn't tell us how to find rest or how to, uh, you know, how to accomplish it or, or where to get it. He says, I'm it. Mm-hmm. So when he says the Lord of the Sabbath, he's saying that I'm it. I'm, the, I'm, I am the rest you're looking for. Um, and seek it in me, um, and it's, it, which is very different than moral obligation, religious duty. Yeah, yeah, but it's and it's clearly a divine claim, I mean, right? Right. Because the Sabbath is, a, is the centerpiece of the Jewish life and the moral, the religious law, the the Jewish code. And Jesus, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. He said, I, I, I'm over all of it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that this is kind of the breaking point for the Pharisees. Yeah. That like they were disturbed by the whole forgiving of sins thing. They were disturbed yeah, by him hanging out with not with tax collectors sinners, yeah. and yeah, all that. But like the bridge too far. Yeah, that's interesting. Was well, he claims, he's messing with Sabbath because because yeah. yeah. really the next story, the withered hands healing on the Sabbath in the synagogue is is just a demonstration of what he just said. Right. Yeah. It's just putting a, a visual explanation point, which is why the, in verse six they they're like, we, well, we got to kill him. Right. Like, if you don't know the backstory, you read this, and you're like. Those Pharisees are like overreacting. Yeah, just calm down. Yeah, right. They ate some grain. He healed the guy. We got to kill him. Right. What? You know, talk it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they, but, you know, it's interesting, Joe. The Pharisees, they understood what Jesus was saying. They understood exactly who who he's claiming to be, and they didn't like it. I think the disciples are often confused about Jesus in the early days. The Pharisees get it. They just don't want to hear it. Hmm. Hmm. The Pharisees and the demons. Yeah, saw, right, saw right. things clearer than, than yeah. many, and and yeah, yeah, yeah we're so yeah. far from the truth. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I want to close with this, um, and again, Jeff, you touched on this in your in your message, but um, you talked about like stretching out the hand, the, yeah. talking to the the man with the withered hand, how he was basically saying to do something that you could not do in your own strength, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and just kind of the uh, implication that there is for us. Yeah, uh, and, and so I just want for for you as as pastors to give some pastoral mm. wisdom, because um, I know we have people listening who feel like there yeah. are things in their lives that they cannot fix, that they cannot heal, that they Can't cannot do. overcome. Yeah, um, that's right. And so, with those words, what encouragement is there for us mm. today? I'm glad you asked the question, and, and I, you know, it, it's kind of repeating the sermon here, but it bears repeating. Jesus says, "Well, withered hand mean it's shriveled, it, it's it's crumpled up." He doesn't say stretch out your arm. He says to stretch out your hand, mm-hmm. which is the one thing a man with a withered hand can't do. But at the word of Jesus, he can. Mm-hmm. Jesus says to the paralytic, get up and, and walk. Well, that's the one thing a paralytic can't do. But when Jesus says it, he can. Jesus says, you know, leave your life of sin. Well, that's what a sinner can't do, but that's Jesus they can. Jesus says to us, you know, step out of, the, stop wallowing in the shame of your past. Forgive those who have hurt you. Forgive yourself for the terrible things you've done. Like all the things we would say to Jesus, I can't. And I think his answer is, and this is, I mean this sincerely to all who are listening, Jesus says, I know you can't. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point. Yeah. But I can. He can. Yeah. So it, that, that's the difference between religion and gospel, yeah. right? Not work hard to try to do things that you can't do, but surrender to the one who can. 
yeah. which is we see it demonstrated in this miracle, but the miracle has a is a has a message to us. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I was thinking about that last week too when we were just talking about the expression of faith in in Mark chapter two and recognizing that there's there's moments in my life when I'm honest with myself and I realize things are out of my control. Mm-hmm. All I can do is bring it to Jesus. Yeah, that's that's the only. It's all we can ever do. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And every time can, I think yeah. I can, yeah. it's just an illusion, and right. a, you know, um, and and I think that's the invitation that that He's extending to us. And I, I I bring my brokenness to Jesus, and I say, here it is, and I trust you with it. And mm-hmm. Jesus does miraculous things. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, thank you guys. That's that's uh, thank you, encouraging to me, and I'm sure to many others. Mm-hmm. Um, next week, you guys, I believe, are both preaching. Any sneak peek you can give us of what's ahead? Ooh, ooh, it's exciting. Uh, well, I always say this, but it's, the, it's uh, <laughs> one, one week is exciting. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> it's a so so. There are very there are very few parables in Mark, but yeah. we're looking at the parable of the sower, which is. Uh, really, uh, the lens through which we understand almost all the parables. So, it's a, it, some of you have heard it before. Uh, the, it's read that parable. It shows up in Matthew's gospel as well. But it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's the one parable in all the gospels that Jesus explicitly explains what it means in detail to his to his followers. Hmm. So, yeah, story time in. with Jesus. Yes, yeah. right. Here we go. go. Awesome. Well, good stuff. Here we go. It's time. I, last week I said it was America's favorite segment. <laughs> I think that's selling it short. It's, yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> the it's, gone, it's gone international, has it? Yeah. Yeah. All children everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Joe wants to know. Oh, what you know, Joe? I don't know nothing. What you know, Joe? Tell me um, So as you guys know, as many of our fine listeners know, we try to avoid going into sports too often with Joe wants to know. Although I know for many of us who are on this podcast, we could talk about it yes, all the time. We could. And, and we so do. if you are yeah. listening to this and you don't want to hear us talk about football, thank you for listening. Yeah. Send in your questions, please. <laughs> and you are welcome to stop listening. Oh. I won't take it personally. We just, but, <laughs> you just alienated half of our audience, yeah. Joe. Way to go. <laughs> please tune in next week. Yeah. But for those of you that would like to hear, Joe wants to know your predictions for the NFL season, for the Bears season, oh. for my mental health with the Bears season, <laughs> just fire away. What do you what what's what's ahead of us? Also, we should mention we're, we're recording this earlier than normal, so we're recording this on Friday ahead yeah. of the Bears game Sunday. So all of this might have just aged terribly, but we'll yes, see. Right. So, okay. Andy Dalton uh, revenge game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. The world is <laughs> the world's waiting ready. with bated breath. Yeah. Yeah. Sterling, you are the eternal optimist. It's when it comes to the Bears, and we're both Bears fans. Yeah. So, but what would you say? I. So, I, being an Ohio State fan, obviously, wah, wah. yeah, that's, that's, that's a whole nother. Speaking of yeah. mental health, uh, um, I'm excited to see Justin Fields. So, I if if Justin Fields starts playing sooner as opposed to later, I think that they have the possibility of being a 500 team. Wow, maybe it's not. I guess there's 17 games, so let's say eight wins, nine losses is. A high water, a high water mark. That's me as an optimist. I, <laughs> That's pretty tough for an optimist, <laughs> right? Yeah, that is. But I, I do, uh, I do think that uh, I think it's time to 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 get Justin Fields on the field. I, I don't, I don't, you know, outside of him getting injured because we can't protect him, that would be bad. But um, I don't know what we're waiting for. So optimistically, if we can get Justin on the field, I think we're we're right around five hundred. Best case scenario. Wow. Okay. But that's probably. No, we're not. 
Jeff's got to say 0 and 17. Yeah. No, I love the Bears, but the Bears are bad. I can hold both truths simultaneously. Hold the tension in line. Yes, right. They're bad. They're not good. They don't have enough talent. Are they, they worse than the Lions? Ooh. Um, well, now we're now we're haggling over the very bottom of the league. But right? you're yeah, it's well, a, yeah, but you're going to play them twice. From. I'm trying to justify my eight wins here. Okay. And my, yeah. It's going to uh, be yeah, a couple it, surprising ones, maybe. I don't know. I think they're a couple years away in adding talent to the team, but, you know, I'm a fan. I'll be cheering. Have my have my jersey on and then be sad every Sunday when they lose. I don't think – and I like Justin be. Fields. I want to see him have a great, successful career. I think the worst thing that could happen uh, – I want to see him play right away. I think they should start him. I think he's better than Dalton. I agree with you, Sterling, but I just think – I don't That's know. That's scary. Yeah, you, you you play that guy too early and on a bad team and anyway yeah. I don't know I'm yeah. not an NFL coach I'm just a fan but I yeah. think they're I think the Bears are bad. Okay, here we go. Rapid fire questions. Yeah, you ready? Yes. Super Bowl champ, who you got? Whoo, man. Um, I'm gonna say Tampa Bay repeats. Ooh, whoa. Tom's pretty good. <laughs> really? I'm gonna <laughs> turns say, out. I'm gonna say 49ers. Okay, oh, okay. I like that Maybe the too. Rams. Um. Will Aaron Rodgers retire to become the host of Jeopardy? I just hope he goes away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's, let's. Although the way he played last week, I, I wouldn't yeah. maybe stick around if he keeps doing that. Only if he keeps doing that. If they lose by 40 yeah. points. Oh, right. man. Um, number of times I'll throw my remote at the TV this year. Ooh. Uh, the over-under on that is 200. Right, yeah. No, and that's just no. how, how many new TVs things, you have to buy is the question. Don't throw yeah. things, Joe. You know, um, but can I tell you, tell you uh, uh, confess something? Uh, in our old couch in our living room, the if you sat on the right side, the arm was kind of a, had like a sway down part of it. It wasn't firm because in a Bears Packers game many years ago, I was so frustrated. I pounded my fist down this and snapped the wood underneath <laughs> our couch. And so, <laughs> so wow. Yep. So anyway, oh, I've, all, I've got all, a hold of myself. We're now. all broken people <laughs> <laughs> and broken couches. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Final question. Will. Judy, let me name our son Justin Fields Scavato. Yes or no? I oh. certainly hope not. <laughs> I certainly hope so. Come on, Judy. Judy, well, don't don't let him. <laughs> I know, Judy. You're no. That's not Sherry's happen. rule. Was pets could have some sort of connection to my affinity for sports, but not children. Not children. That's she, she, that's she, probably yeah. a, a good line to, to yeah to draw. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we already have a Wrigley for a dog. So okay. See. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't feel any better about the Bears, but I feel better about <laughs> my soul. So thank yeah, that's you guys. good. Of the two, that's the better option. <laughs> and uh, thank you all for listening to the For Where You Are podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and share, the, share this with a friend if it has helped you in your faith journey. Don't forget, please email us with any questions that you might have. We were going to be sharing some of them next week. Podcast at chapelstreetchurch.com. We will talk to you soon.